Father, we just thank you. We praise you. We worship you, Lord. We do not even understand why you would even want to talk to us. But you chose to speak to us. The writer of Hebrews says, God spoke in various ways in the days past, but now has chosen to speak through his son. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw the glory of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Even this morning, we want to give you that reverence, Lord. As we hear, we pray. The word will settle down deep in our hearts, in our spirit. We will believe. We will choose to obey. And we will see what it can do in us and through us. For your word says the word of God has the power to work in those who believe. Help us to believe. Help us, Lord. So I commit everyone who are listening now online, offline, and who will listen in the days to come, everyone, Lord. Let your word not go void. It will achieve the purpose for which it is being sent forth. So we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, the living word. Thank you for your spirit who makes every word living. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So this morning, above all, we thank God for life. So many people I've heard in my life who have said, I wish I was never born. Gee, what a statement, Lord. When people are discouraged, desperate, they say silly stuff. Okay. But you know, thank God for life. Because if you are not alive, you cannot get saved, you cannot hear the gospel. And then thank God for eternal life. It's a gift. So we've been seeing so many things in the light of God's word. We see as we read the word of God, how God tries to tell us his children life as a construction project where Jesus is the cornerstone and we are all living stones and we are compared to Solomon's temple where every stone was shaped in the quarry. There was no sound at the building place. But everything was done quietly at the quarry and then the stones were brought and they fit in perfectly. So there is absolutely no sound in heaven. No construction going on. All the sound is on earth. So when God is building these living stones, we go through trials and sometimes unbearable testing. Testing, so the oohs and the ahs and the tears and the cries and the groans are all here. But when we reach heaven, we will all fit into that incredible temple he is building. So the Bible calls this a construction project. Life as a construction project. He talks about life as a garden. 
My father is the gardener. I am the vine. You are the branches. So he talks it about us. I said, gardener. Paul will take, pick up on that and says, Paul plants and up water, Apollos waters, but increase is from God. So God talks about, if you want to increase, abide in me. Just stay. Just stay. Stay close to me. Stay in me. So it's a garden project. Then Jesus will come and talk about life as being a field. And there was a sower who went around sowing. Then he talks about how many fields don't produce or produce which does not last. And then he talks about the good ground and three kinds of harvest and 30 and 60 and 100. So that's a different project. So he trying to, God is trying to get this into our heads. We are hard-headed. So he's trying to get this into it. Understand, you only have one life on earth. Understand the importance of life. It is not what you see with your eyes, the temporal. It is the eternal that is coming. And then we've been seeing life as a race. Life as a race. We all, everyone who is saved, whether they know or not, the Father put us into the race. Each one is running his own race. We are not competing with one another. We should be helping one another. Not like in the examination hall where you help your friends. Not that way. That is cheating. But in life, God says, help one another. Run your race. You have to finish your race. You have to run according to the rules. Okay. So, the thing is that when we focus, we start looking at life, life. Through God's eyes, through his word, through how he reveals, above all in Jesus' own life. We will understand that the things that are important to us are not so important in God's kingdom. The value system seems to be completely different. So we need to get our lives in order according to God's value system. Some of the prayers which we have been praying and God never answers is because they are the most least important things in his list. And some of the things which are very important in his list, we never pray. Like if you notice today's worship, the entire theme of today's worship was God is holy. Let Can we be honest? Please, at least in the house of God, can we be honest? In these nine past months, how many of us honestly prayed, Lord, I want to be holy? It was not in our list at all. But like Pranit said, we don't know for how long, how many times the angels have been saying, holy, holy, holy is God Almighty. And God says, without holiness, no man can see. But the question is, is this in our list? Our shopping list, which we religiously call prayer? Now, I'm asking myself, I'm not asking you, don't have to put up your hands. No. So the things, the priority. So we need to look into the word of God and understand vocabulary is not the same. All words don't have the same importance. Okay? If you go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. 
and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So you have to look at those important words there. The first important word is grace. The second important word is faith. And the third important word is gift. So salvation is a gift. You can never ever earn salvation. It is free. It's muft. You cannot earn it. People don't understand the importance of that word called gift. Gift means you didn't earn it. And you cannot earn it. It's freely given. Because the subtle lie which the enemy often brings believers is that salvation is by works. That's why some of you feel condemned. You should be convicted, deeply convicted when you fail. But you cannot be condemned. If you condemn, that means you actually somewhere in your subconscious mind, you think you are earning your salvation. You can, nobody can earn your salvation. It is a gift, always a gift. It is a gift. Romans 5 and verse 18, the Bible says, Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even through one man's righteous act. The free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. It's a free gift. It's a free gift. And we don't understand the the awesomeness of this statement, the truth, the awesomeness of his statement, okay, because you have to look at truly good, truly, truly good, truly righteous people of any religion. The truly righteous. Take a Muslim, take a Hindu, take a Buddhist. Early in the morning he rises. If he's a hint. Before the sun rises, he rises. And he's waiting for the sun to rise. He goes through all his rituals according to the book. He's very careful about how he, he can put us to shame. The way he lives, the way he talks, the way he dresses, the way everything is very, 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 very careful. Till the end, and as he grows older, he gets even more religious and religious and religious and religious. What does he hope to achieve by an entire life of all these activities? To be declared righteous. I grew among, among Buddhists, and I've seen the good ones. Unbelievable how they love. No, they're so careful. To see within their capacity to obey the tenets of Buddhism. In Buddhism, you don't harm anything, not even an insect. So you go sometimes in righteous Buddhist drivers, and when they are driving you, they will go like this and say, what's wrong? He says, sir, there is an insect there, I need to avoid it. We may laugh at them, but they are. Trying their best at the end of their life. End of their life. Hoping to be declared righteous. And we just get it just like that in a second because we believe. As a gift. The 
gift of righteousness. Just like that. Because he fulfilled the law for us. Do you understand? Do we value salvation? That a righteous man in a religion, a Muslim who will, how he follows the tenets of his religion all the days of his life. And if you were to ask him about his eternal hope, there is always doubt. What does he say? Inshallah. I hope. Not sure. None of these people are sure. I've asked Buddhists, what is your hope? Sir, my hope is that if I can finish well, come back as a Lama. And then as a Lama, if I can finish well, come come back as somebody even more righteous. This is my hope. A thousand birth and then become like Buddha. This is your hope. Do you understand that simple word? God gave us that free gift. Declare righteous. You are saved. From the penalty of the law. Not only that, you are declared righteous. It is a gift. It is the most precious, valuable gift we have received. That is why Apostle Paul will say, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Understand the value of this. You may have got it free. I may have got it free. But it was not free for God. What did it cost the Son of God to achieve this great salvation? The writer of Hebrews will say, if you then ignore this great salvation. Great salvation. And we are so casual about it. So understand these terms. Understand these terms. So in Matthew 5, Jesus will use Teach something else. Do not think I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So God says, I didn't come to destroy the law or the prophets. He says, I have come to fulfill the law. In Romans 8 and verse 4, there he talks about us. Jesus fulfilled the law. It says that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So the Bible says, what the law requires has to be fulfilled in us. Has to be fulfilled in us. So like I said, all words and terms are are not of equal importance in the Bible. 
Some are very, very important. When it comes to salvation, the most important word is faith. Is faith. You are saved by grace, but through faith. And that faith is also a gift. The most important word when it comes to salvation is faith. That's why the Bible constantly talks about examine your faith, test your faith. Faith is being tested. Every trial, every temptation is a test of our faith. Because when it comes to salvation, when you die, where will you go? The most important word is faith. Is my faith real? So don't groan and growl when you are tested because it's a test of your faith. Is my faith real? Because you don't want to be like the rich man to die and realize your faith was false. Even if you end up as a beggar in front of the rich man's house, let your faith be real because when you die, you don't go where he went. So when it comes to salvation, the most important word is faith. It's only through genuine faith we receive the grace of God that saves us. So faith has to be tested and proven. Has to be proven. Okay. But when it comes to rewards, now we are not talking about salvation. Now we are not talking about where we reach. We are talking about what we get. It's not the same. The place is the same. But we are not talking about where we reach. We are talking about what we get. We know about the thief on one side, whichever side he was, right or left, doesn't matter, but whichever side he was. It is what we call, uh, it was not a panic conversion, it was a real conversion, but at the end of his life. A lot of people get saved like that. But they have no hope for rewards. They end up in the right place. So people will always say, but remember, the, the, the thief made it in the last moment. I also hope to be, hope to make it on the last moment. Maybe you can, I do not know. But even if you make it in the last moment, there is no hope of rewards. You are in the right place. But you receive nothing. Okay? So please remember, when it comes to salvation, the most important word is, Faith. And the earlier you get saved, the better your chances of receiving something there. Because you have a lot of time to work on it. The later you get saved, you have very little time to finish your race. So get saved early. If you are not saved. Pray. That's the every dedication. Child dedication is, the question is addressed. Have you noticed in no child dedication, any question is addressed to the child? So always to the parents that you will live in such a way that this child will be led to put his or her trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as early as possible. Okay. So when it comes to the race, that is the rewards, the most important word is not faith. It is love. We don't understand but you get confused. It is not faith. When it comes to rewards, it is not faith. 
It is love. So if you turn with me today to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verses 1 to 3. Paul, Apostle Paul, through the Holy Spirit, inscribes this. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I gave my body to be burned. Do you know what it means? To die as a martyr for Christ Jesus. Many in the first century were burned on the stake. He says, even though I speak in angelic language and have all the power and the might of God at my disposal, and I am so sacrificial and so committed that I am willing to die as a martyr for Christ Jesus, if I do not have love, my hopes for rewards is nil. It's nil. It's a very startling statement which people don't realize. We are not talking about salvation here. We are talking about rewards here. Imagine. Okay, this week is holiday. But imagine after October 1st week when GTLC begins. And Pastor Vijay and Justin has the first assembly and tells the students. Even if you finish all your paces. And even if you do everything promptly, perfectly, before time, if we don't see you loving one another, your starts, your rewards will be zero. What will happen? What if the board of education brings out its edict like that? What will happen in the schools and colleges, offices, your corporates? Standard for promotion. Next increment. Love one another. See, our priorities are different, right? In the kingdom of God speaks a different language which you don't understand. But we have to understand. By faith we understand kingdom language. So you need to understand if you are saved... Focus has to change. The most important thing in the kingdom of God, actually the most important thing in the kingdom of God is that word called love. I've said this before. It does not matter if God is all powerful. It does not matter God is all knowing. It does not matter God is everywhere. If God is not love, we will still go to hell. Because he will say, go to hell. I don't care. God, so, that is what started the whole process. You take love out of the equation, there is nothing. There is nothing. I probably believe there is no creation either. Creation was a result of God's love. Though it displays his glory and might and power and all, the question you have to ask is, why did God do all this? Because if you look at the creation story, at the end of 
prophet he creates man and then he creates woman the whole idea he would have a family with whom he can live happily lovingly all together so the whole creation was centered around one thing god is love okay so in today's vocabulary class change your order put number 1 what is that love number 2 another very important word in heaven's vocabulary john chapter 4 verse 24 remember we are speaking to believers god is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth the next important word in god's vocabulary is truth it's truth because everything in the world you see you hear you feel you taste everything that you understand by your senses is true then we don't have to worry but the problem is most of it are lies most of it are lies therefore the next most important word is truth change your order okay now when we come to truth Okay, when we come to truths, and all kids who have gone to school and college know that you have two facets of your education, especially when you come to science in a language connected with science. Usually, what you have is you have what we call the theory class, and then to prove what you have learned, you have the practical truth. Also, in that way, strictly speaking, literally has two components. Two components. The first component is what you see in John eight and verse thirty-two. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That is an idea. That's an idea about something. Okay. The other component is what you see in John eight thirty-six. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Okay. That is a person. So if you want to know how did a man from the beginning till the end walk in freedom believing everything God has said that is Jesus the practical That is why Jesus is the way the truth and the life The word of God is truth but how do you live it out Jesus came and showed us So we Bible will say keep your eyes when you are running this race we have so many witnesses so many witnesses learn from all of them what is true and what is false but when you look at Jesus you will only learn what is true because there is nothing false in him nothing false in him not any other man so there is truth as an idea and how do i live this out i need a role model there are plenty of role models in the word of god in church history in our living history we have plenty but there is actually only one perfect role model of truth who is that it is jesus okay so please understand how the world works the system works this fallen world works and we know it which is true whenever something is valuable valuable something is valuable the market is flooded with fakes that's why you don't find 5 uh, rupee fake notes 10 rupee fake notes people don't waste time making that but you will find 500 2000 was over yesterday was your last day 
they exchanged the ping. I hope nobody has put in, okay? It's worthless. Okay. Okay. Yesterday was the last day. Okay. Okay. Anything that is valuable, you have never heard, I have never in my lifetime, in my lifetime, heard anybody saying, this is fake aluminium. I've never heard that. But I've said people saying, this is fake gold, fake silver, even fake steel. You buy it, looks like steel. When you hang something, it falls down in two pieces because it was only coated. So everything that is valuable, the enemy will try to duplicate. So in the kingdom of God, there are lots of things which are extremely valuable, literally life and death. So the enemy will fake it. So if there is genuine faith, there is fake faith. So God will say, test your faith, test your faith. Are your faith being more precious than gold? Is being proven. How do you know your faith is true? It has to be proven. Because faith is precious. It's very valuable. Because the devil has brought forth, Bible says, false gospel, false spirit, therefore false salvation, false church, false preachers. Everything has been duplicated. False brethren. These are all there in the Bible. Okay, So you have to be very, very careful. Because it's very, very valuable. Because he is a very good, what do you call, uh, counterfeiter. He's very good at counterfeiting what is real, what is true, what is original. Since according to God's own word, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. So if the greatest is love, therefore the market is flooded with counterfeit. The greatest counterfeit you find in the world, in this world, is counterfeit of this. Because there is not a single person sitting here who will not say, do you love? I love. I am not love. The statements are always heard. Almost nine out of ten songs are written either about love or not being loved, or lost love, broken love. It is all about love. So the question is, how do you make out the asli from the nakli? The true from the false. That's why I said the second most important word after love is truth. Because you can believe a lie as being true and go to hell. Believe in the truth and be saved and then believe a lie and get no rewards. How do you know? How do you know? So go to John 17 and word 17. Sanctify them by your truth. What is truth? Your word is truth. Your word is truth. God's word is truth. That's why we always refer back. We always ask this question. What did God say? When people come to me and say God said, then I don't know what to say. (laughs) So, Note of advice, when you come to me, please don't say God said. 
Now, and if you say, God said, give me three references at least. It is written. It is written. It is written. You should be able to show it is written and I will look at the context and say whether what you heard is from God or not. Okay? So be very careful. Because we live, as, as time passes on, a generation that talks more about love yet knows so little about it. A generation that thinks love is a very strong feeling and nothing more than a feeling. But the problem is, in John 15 and verse 12, Jesus says, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Did you see that? The question is this. How can you command a feeling? Arundhati, feel hungry. Can I command a feeling? So first understand. There is feelings in love. But love is not just a feeling. Because you cannot command a feeling. means when God gives a command that means it involves your will. That's your choice. It influences your conduct, your behavior. In Ephesians 5.25 when God says, husbands love your wives, it's a command. It's not a feeling. When you actually understand the truth about it, we will ultimately thank God it's a command and not a feeling. Because I don't have to feel, but I can obey. And it, I can influence my choices, my behavior, my conduct, because it's a command. So going back to John 15 and verse 12, he says, this is my commandment that you love one another. One another. And then he exemplifies it. He shows us, let me tell you how you need to love one another. And he says, as I have loved you. So he is always the way. He always is our paragon. He is our paragon of virtue. He is the one who shows the way. How should I, how should we love one another? He says, as I have loved you. And in the next verse, he says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. friends. You see, when Pastor Vijay, a couple of weeks back, when he showed those pictures from the station at Raigada, which uh, Mahatma Gandhi had spoken, right? He talks about the best way of living is to give your life for others and all. You see, Gandhi's words were Powerful in terms of ideology. But it didn't change a nation. Because it does not have the power of God in it to change a nation. To change somebody, the very life of God has to come in. Life of God. Gandhi could follow it. But even Gandhians couldn't follow it. 
Because Gandhi has no innate power in him to put it into the lives of people and says, live like this. He couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. That's the difference we need to understand. So when God says, he says, this is how I want you to love. This is not the kind of love you hear in storybooks, in songs, in the world. And if you go back to the previous one, that is Ephesians 5.25, husbands love your wives, it's a command. How? Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So he shows us how it has to be done. Because if the most important word in the Bible is the word called love, we need to know the truth about it. Because most of the conflicts in interpersonal relationships, because that's what we are all made of, in the homes, in the offices, in the church, everywhere, relationship, it is all created because we do not understand this one word. What does it mean? That one word. That one word. We understand that one word, what the word of God says, and then choose to live out that word in the power of scripture and the spirit of God, because the spirit of God will empower only scripture. When the Holy Spirit comes, he shall lead you to all truth. When you shall receive power and you shall be my witnesses. So understand how it works. So you need to understand the law, the law could only modify outward behavior. It could never change the heart and therefore the conduct. That is the question, why? Why do you do these things? Why do you not do these things? We said, the new covenant God says, God's people who are led by the spirit will fulfill the law. And the Bible, like I said, it's a very simple book. You don't need to know math, physics, chemistry, not even English to obey the gospel. You just need to understand one language. One language. You need language. One language. can be saved and you can get your rewards. Because the Bible is very simple. Very, very simple. And it is preached to very simple people. Most of 2000 years the Bible was preached to illiterate people. The literate people make it complex. Because they don't want the illiterate to be included in their company. That is true about religion. Religion does not want the illiterate to be in their midst. So it divides. But the gospel brings everybody in. So if you turn to Romans chapter 18 and verses 8 to 10, okay? Oh, no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has, what has he done? The entire law. Pharisees subdivided into 613 different laws. God says, you don't need all of that. He says, if you want, I'm not saying that, he says, if you want, you can put away the book of Deuteronomy, Leviticus, all of that, and I will give you the first five books of the Bible in one word. What is that? Love. Love 
one another. If you can understand what love is, what is God's kind of love, and how to love one another, you simply fulfill the love. And he ex- explains in verse 9, for the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. If there is any other commandment, all are summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as? And then in verse 10, love does no harm to a neighbor. There's no harm to a neighbor. Simple. So we don't need more knowledge. We need more love. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So in verse 8 says, Oh, no man anything except the debt of that is the unpayable debt. Till the last day of your life, you are called to keep loving. Keep loving. Of no man. The eternal debt of loving one another. Why? Because of the way God has loved us. Did you see that? We worry about debts. It's a, it's a genuine, genuine, genuine request. We don't want to be in debt. Okay, I will tell you, I am not in debt. I have only loans. And I am not kidding. Everything is written and tabulated. I know exactly how much loan I have. I have no debts. And the church has no debts. The Bible says, Owe no man. Anything. People do not understand. When the church began, this was one of the first things which I asked the Lord. Lord, as a church, we never want to be in debt. Because, no, until today he has taken up. I'm not looking down or anything. If people understand how God's kingdom works, what scripture, and what is the truth, how easy it is to have your life. Like in this church. Okay, in this church. One, we have no debts. Two, we owe no man anything. Anybody from outside or anybody who has anything done for the church, they always get an offering. Always get an offering. Never is anything done free. Because even till last Sunday, every place I see, when a person, a church or a ministry is in debt, like last for people, no? You have to, you have to lean on somebody's goodness. Then, Two hour program becomes four hours because two hours is thanking this one and thanking that one and thanking this one and thanking this one and thanking, 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 thanking. Why? Because you owe everyone everything for conducting a service. This is a principle behind which what God is talking about. Lead your lives If you owe something, write it down in your diary. This is a loan which will be paid back. This is not a debt. This is a loan. I will owe no man, O Lord, so that I can be truly grateful to people and not it be indebtedness. Indebtedness. This is how life should be. 
Write it down. Have it. Yes. This one, this much. This one, this much. This one, this much. Yes. People and banks. Banks, EMI will come. Otherwise, they will come. Work it out in your life. Why? But when it comes to the debt of love, it is lifelong. Lifelong, we are grateful to people. Grateful to God. That is how we begin our day. Enter his gates with thanks. In all things, give him thanks. That is. If you go to Galatians chapter 5, and verse 13 and 14. For you brethren have not been called to liberty, have been called to liberty, only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, what should we do? Serve one another, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Did you see that? You can fulfill the whole law by how? Loving your neighbor and serving one another. One another. Right now we are talking about rewards. We are talking about rewards. Of course, in the subsequent verses, if you know your Bible and Galatians 5, Paul will list out the contention between the flesh and the spirit. And then he will say, walk in the spirit, which actually means to walk in faith and walk in love. Because if you walk in love, you will not fulfill the demands of the flesh. You will not harm your neighbor. Is it sinking in? Am I making it complex or is it simple enough? Hmm? Unlike Pastor Vijay, I can tell in my own language, Manisalayo. <laughs> he will stop there. Manisalayo language <laughs> Meaning, if you did not understand, you can say, I will explain it even more simpler. Because certain concepts, like when you go, when you, we all went to math class, right? We all went to math class and then after 10th, we gave up or continued, whoever chose. But you cannot go wrong in addition. Trigonometry is okay. Most of us did not take trigonometry. But addition, you cannot go wrong. Subtraction, you cannot go wrong. Multiplication, you cannot go wrong. Division, you cannot go wrong. There are certain fundamentals in the Bible you cannot afford to go wrong. The truth about faith. Because your eternity is dependent upon it. The truth about love. What you will be in eternity hangs on the balance. Literally hangs on the balance. So in... 1 Corinthians 13, Paul will, through the Holy Spirit, will start defining. We are looking now, taking the, the telescope, no, tele- microscope of God's truth into that one word called love. What is true love? How does it affect your behavior, your conduct? So that you can know my love is true and not false. So if you come to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4, the first introduction of what love is. Love suffers long. Suffers long. One, it is long. Two, it suffers. You know what it means? It means it is steadfast. 
In ESV translation, in Lamentation chapter 3, verse 22 and 23, we sing this song. What is the song? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. That's why we are here. That's why we are alive. It's not that because we didn't sin yesterday or last week or the last nine months. No. Because of his steadfastness of his, his love suffers long. He suffers us. He suffers our disobedience. He suffers our sin. He suffers our lack of interest. He suffers our ingratitude. He suffers that we don't praise him. He suffers it all. I still remember many, many years ago when I was in Jamshedpur and Pastor Shashi was leading the worship for my meeting that day. And he was, of course, he's a worship leader in Hindi. And he said in Hindi, have you ever heard a bird wake up in the morning and complain? No, it sings to its creator. But we were the one made in his image. We were the one for him he died. And he suffers. His love is steadfast. And we sing this song. We look at it and say, Lord, please don't ever stop loving me. Lord, please let his love towards me be steadfast and your mercies never end. God says, it's true. It never changes. That's who I am. But I'm not talking, he said, about you. He suffers. He's patient. He's steadfast. One patience of God I could never understand is God's patience during the generation of Noah. When he knew only eight people are going to get into the boat, why wait 120 years? Because that is the nature of his love. He still waits. Things are not getting better. Things are getting worse. Evil is not lessening. It is getting worse. The man of righteousness preaching. Nobody is listening. Hearts are not getting tender. They are getting harder. But God still waits. And he suffers. God is telling us something. The people around which you live. The people among you live. Are you work? How is your... How is your love? Is it steadfast? Are you still merciful? They are not changing. They are becoming worse. They are nasty. They are getting nastier. But God says, how do you know your love is true? Because the love of the world is different. You get nasty, I'll get nasty. Or I'll avoid you. Don't expect anything from me. This far and no further. Boundaries are very clearly marked. Walls are erected. And we will not quote God, we will quote Frost. Good walls make good neighbors. But for East Germany and West Germany to become one nation, the walls had to be brought down, not erected. Now the enemy also uses that for his own agenda, so we will not go there. But think about it. We need to do a hard checkup. God says, that is the nature of my love. In 1 Peter 4 and verse 8. 
above all things above all things have fervent love for one another for love will cover a multitude of sins it covers it's steadfast what we all need is additional dose of this sometimes not more faith what is the nature of my love is it steadfast that's why i keep telling all of you all your marriages are absolutely perfect you need the right person god has given you in your life so to see whether your love is steadfast or not lord anybody else god says no the right person I was telling yesterday we had questions about this. I said, "This is my take, and I do believe I have the spirit of God that in the new covenant, the only condition on which divorce and remarriage is actually allowed in the new covenant is when the unbelieving spouse leaves. But if he or she chooses to stay, you are not allowed to leave, not even for adultery." He says Moses allowed you divorce for adultery because of your hardness of your heart because you wouldn't become merciful. Adulterous marriages in the new canon can be repaired and become even better because that's the power of love God has released through his spirit. But when the unbelieving spouse leaves you cannot restore because there is no power of love in the other person to make restoration. But if he wants to stay or she wants to stay the Bible says let him stay who knows he may be saved who knows she may be saved there's no other condition when i look into the bible in the new covenant he says you can hang in there you can stay there because he says what you have received in the new covenant is the very spirit of god it's the very nature of god which is the power of his love which suffers long and is steadfast and is still merciful still merciful John 13 and verse 1 this is written about Jesus before the feast of the passover when Jesus knew his hour had come he should depart from this world to the father having loved his own who were in the world he loved them to the end that includes Judas when John 13:1 is written Judas is still there he leaves only by verse 11 after jesus has washed his feet and when judas comes with the gang to arrest him he calls him friend and that's not a small term from jesus mouth when jesus god calls somebody a friend there is no greater term he can use it to address in the old covenant he called only if i'm right two people abraham and moses my friends he even though he knew one would sell him for money and the others would be all run away he still loved them till the very end the question god is asking ask ourselves what's the nature of our love do we love like that We are not saying that we should not have differences of opinion. We are not talking about all that is acceptable. The question we are not talking about is that the question is talking about is love. 
Do we love like that? Because that is what God is talking about. That's why uh, believers, genuine believers, who are in this race, in this walk of faith, will always encounter people who are difficult to love. Difficult to love. You know why? Because you are in the race. You are running for something. You have a goal in mind. And God is bringing these people so that you will know, one, is my faith true? Because of trials and tribulations, is my faith true? In the midst of this storm, will I still trust him? In the midst of this sickness, will I still trust him? When everything falls apart, will I trust him? The test of your faith. But it comes to relationships, it's a test of your love. Will you still love? Betrayed, 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 slandered, gossip, spoke behind your back. Stuck a knife at you. Will you still love? Okay. And God is asking this question. He says, you know what? You need to examine yourself. He says, examine. He's telling us the nature. So the first thing is that love suffers long. Suffers long. Go back to 1 Corinthians 13. Suffers long and is kind. There are a lot of people who suffer long. And they are not kind. Because they are under a covenant. They know the covenant demands. And they are very legalistic. They are, I mean, it's not bad to be legalistic. They understand the law. So they will stick to the law. In homes, in offices. They don't like their boss. They don't like their employer, other co-workers. They don't, but they will hang into the last they, because they want their retirement benefits. The government has said you have to complete these many years of service, then only you are eligible for pension. They will hang in there. They suffer long. They are not kind to anybody. That's not what God is talking about. He says it suffers long and is kind. And for unkindness, we always have a very valid, humanly speaking, valid, logical answer. He, she doesn't deserve it. But if God were to say so, he says, none of you deserve it. My kindness. That's why the last lesson, what is the last lesson Jesus gave, practical lesson he gave his disciples? What did he do? Wash their feet. You know what he was saying in a way humorously, when you run away, run away at least with clean feet. In the darkness with that moonlight, when you are running away, let everybody see, I washed your feet. He knew all these feet would run away from him. He knew every one of them would run and Peter would deny him and Judas would sell him. But he still washed their feet. He was still kind. In Luke 6, 27-28, I say to you who hear, love your friends. 
my bestie yeah, all these children have been my best friend is bestie but this is not bestie this is beastie love your beastie love your enemies do good to those who hate you bless those who curse you pray for those who spitefully use you now, now you look at it and you say i don't have that love be honest be honest with god lord i need that love i want this because when you finally finish your race you will reach here you will reach here if the son of man had to be exalted to the highest place and be given a name above all names everybody had to deny him and curse him and he still forgave them and he died for them therefore he reached the highest place where do you think paul gets his confidence i know what i will get where does he get his confidence from because he still loves everyone who has betrayed and abandoned him and he prays for them where does your confidence come from so the question is this am i consistently kind or am i only kind to the people who are kind to me am i consistently kind yesterday i told you a testimony it actually happened in india i think his name was dog nichols and it happened in 1967 he was a missionary who had come to india and he got i don't know which place this happened because i just read it on the net he got tuberculosis he got tb and uh, he was put in the government tb hospital sanatorium and all the indians who were there thought as usually we think because his skin is white he's got money he didn't know that he was as broke or even more broke than them because he was a missionary it was a filthy place and everybody is coughing because they all have tb it's very difficult to sleep and then he started noticing further down there there is a bed where it's an old man around midnight he will start shaking 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 trying to get off the bed he couldn't and then fall back and the next day morning he will see that smell there because he has relieved himself he was trying to get up to go to the toilet but he didn't have the strength and he will see the nurses coming in and they're very angry and he talks about even he saw one nurse slap him once so he says the next night he noticed around the same time this man is starting to shake trying to get up he cannot and then what he did was that and he talks about that he had come he couldn't speak the language but he had lots of tracks and all in their language he tries to give it to the patients nobody is interested the nurses are inter- not in doctor nobody is interested nobody is interested in his god or his gospel or his tracks so he says another night or the next night or something he again saw this man shaking and he understood so he got up and he went and he lifted that old man he was a small thin old man and he took him to the bathroom the toilet which in his typical western language he says was just a dirty hole in the ground <laughs> you understand indian toilets and he helped him to relieve himself and cleaned him up and brought him and put him back on the bed the next day morning he said he was woken up by a tap there was another patient with a cup of hot tea and he said very soon everybody wanted attract 
Every tract was gone. Every nurse wanted. Every patient wanted. Every doctor wanted. Now let me quote his own words. The world doesn't care how much you have or how much you know. They want to know how much you care. I simply took an old man to the bathroom. Anybody could have done it. Anybody could have done it. Do you know we used to go to this hospital, government hospital, and we used to go to minister, our young people and others, and all used to go, and we used to have lots of issues. Don't come here. Don't come with your tracks. Sometimes they allow all kind of... But do you know one incredible day, what had happened was, there was a girl from Northeast who had HIV. And she was admitted in that hospital, and nobody would go to her. If I'm right, it is Dr. Joanna, right? Yeah, Dr. Joanna and somebody else, two people, I don't know. Huh? Only Joanna, a pastor Eric's wife. She was here at that time. I think they were not married then. She went and she lifted her up and she took her to the bathroom. She bathed her. She cleaned her up and she dressed her back, changed the sheets and she put her back on the bed. The whole atmosphere changed. After that, they were willing to ask for prayer and the transcripts. We forget what the gospel is about. The gospel is about God's love for man. This is not theology. That's what the Bible says. His reign falls upon the wicked and the righteous. You know why? Because God loves his enemies too. And he feeds them every day. He actually allows his enemies to live longer, hoping they might repent. I remember reading Watchman Nee, one of his incidents he talks about. He says, in one of those villages in China, if you have been in the hilly areas, you will see they have what is called terraced farming. Level, 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 levels. So there was, there was this believer who had his paddy field, and below that was an unbeliever's paddy fit. Believer will go early in the morning and you know it's very difficult to get the water. He will take the water up and he will fill his paddy field because you, rice needs a lot of water. Fill it. Then he comes back later. He finds the other guy who's a Gentile. Just made a hole over there and emptied all his water and watered his paddy field. And he kept on doing this. And he was so frustrated. So he went to an old wise man, a believer, and asked him, Sir, what should I do? The man looked at him and said, What would Jesus do? He said, Tomorrow, wake up one more hour earlier. Go fill his paddy field first and then fill yours. So he went one hour early, filled his water paddy field. Then he went and did his. And he said, When that man came, he saw this. I looked at him and he couldn't believe. And that man came to the Lord because he had never seen anything like this before. That's the question God is asking. The truth we have to ask ourselves. Is my love steadfast? One. Because his love is steadfast. Am I kind? Because his mercies are new every morning.
His kindness. It is because of His kindness we are saved. Ask these questions. Am I unkind? Is kindness... I told you many times about Florence Nightingale. During the first world war or one of the wars in Europe. She was a nurse and there were many nurses. Florence Nightingale is the one who started this career of nursing. People started becoming nurses because of her. The thing is that she was such a loving, kind person. And when she is coming in the night with her lamb to check on her patients, when everybody is sleeping, she's still, there's some wounded people, soldiers lying over there. When she is going and she's holding the lamb and looking, you know what, a shadow falls on the other bed. And in every bed the patients kiss her shadow. Because they have never experienced love like that. Do you know when Mother Teresa was asked this question, why do you do this work which nobody will ever do? With the kind of people who nobody gives two hoots about. She put up her hands like this. She was asked a question in a prison in America, I think, and she said, I do it for Jesus. That's the least I can do for him for what he did for me. That's what God said. If you love me, Serve my brothers. He always asks, Lord, what can I do for you? God says, you can do a lot for me. I don't need anything. But you can do a lot for me. The first thing he says, be steadfast in your love. And be kind. Be kind. It's good to be kind. Now I'm talking to one, two, three. Where is one more? That I'm looking for. She was clad in white. Where did my Joanna go today? Or she's teaching. I'm talking to the elder ones there. Arundhati, Abigail, Mahima, and Joanna. When you are the eldest one, sometimes you feel life is very unfair because so much is demanded from you because of there are younger ones. Be steadfast, be kind. It's not an accident you are the eldest one. It is demanded That is what it means, the double portion. Jesus was the firstborn, the eldest one. God gave him a double portion of love to be shared over all of us. Be careful. Be careful. People don't understand these things. What does it mean to be the firstborn? What does it mean to be a double portion? Everybody is thinking in terms of power. Nobody is thinking in terms of love. Lord, give me a double portion because I have younger ones. And I shouldn't feel resentment because you may end up having less time for yourself. Think on these things whether you are young or older. Joseph was willing to lay down the eleventh one in the row. Only one more after him. Willing to lay down his life for his brother, so he gets the reward, the crown, the anointing, the kingship. If you ask this question, what did you do? His love for his brethren was steadfast and he always was kind. And he suffered long for them and because of them. But his attitude towards them, conduct towards them never changed. He was always kind. 
Now we are talking about race. We are not talking about salvation. Because we are coming to a table. What is this table all about? If God did not love and send his son, there is no table. There is no table. This is a table of his love. Go back to 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 4. Love suffers long and is kind. And next one, love does not. Love envies not. If you envy anybody, it becomes very difficult to love them. Shakespeare called it the green-eyed monster. Jealousy, envy as the green-eyed monster. Do you cringe when somebody else is praised? It is absolutely okay to rejoice when you are praised. But can you rejoice when somebody else is praised or you get upset? That's how it actually started. Outside the garden. Genesis chapter 4 and verse 6. God asked Cain this question. Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? We have dealt it last week, yesterday, all we dealt. Why has your countenance fallen? I don't see any smile. Abel's sacrifice was acceptable. Why can't you rejoice? The countenance has got to do with jealousy. Why has your face fallen? Right from the beginning. It is there. If you ever have two children or three children, on Christmas day, when that fellow is opening his gift, his eye is always upon the other one. If it is better than his or hers, then I can't enjoy mine. Finished. Finished. Joy is God. If he opens his ah, then he looks and countenance falls. It is right. This is what it means. We are born in sin, shaped in iniquity. Envy is a killer. Real, real killer. Can you truly rejoice in the success of somebody else? Looks of somebody else, ladies, looks of somebody else, clothes and dresses of somebody else, ornaments of somebody else. Can you really rejoice? Or are you like a movie star? Surrounded by ordinary people because I am extraordinary. Because he cannot rejoice. First Samuel chapter 18, 7 to 9. So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. The Saul was very angry and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed David ten thousands. To me, they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David. Color of his eyes changed. It became green. 
First it was red because he was angry. Then it changed, it became green. Now it's got a twinge of red and green in it. He's angry and he's jealous. That's how slander and gossip begins. You need to realize. Why is he called a slanderer? Because he's jealous. He's jealous of mankind because God loves man. And God died for man, didn't die for him. First he was jealous of God because he says, why is your throne bigger than mine? Why can't I have a throne like yours? Why should your glory be made? So he was jealous, he was proud and then he fell. And he brought the same thing over here. That's why he's called a slanderer. That's why be very, very careful. Love does not hurt its neighbor. Behind slander and gossip, usually there is envy. In that same portion which we read, Galatians 5.14, For all law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Do you know what the next word says? But if you bite and devour each other, If God were to open my eyes, everybody's eyes, and we were to have spiritual vision, suddenly the husband looks at the wife, and the wife looks at them. Everybody's chunks of flesh is missing. They have been biting each other. Instead of loving each other, people have been biting each other. I don't. Do you know what is written in 1 Samuel chapter 19 verse 1? Now Saul spoke to Jonathan his son, to all his servants that they should kill David. What did this boy do? This is a king, this is a shepherd boy. He's probably around 17 or 18 years old or lesser than that. Some theologians say he's only 14 years old. Think about a king who wants to kill a 14 year old boy who saved his face. Kill him. Do you know if you don't deal with envy? You know what people do? They kill others with their words. They can't kill because of the cops. If they were cops, Abel wouldn't have been, wouldn't have been dead. They use words to destroy people. And do you know at the root of it, what is that? Lack of love. So is my love true? Is my love true? We are examining one, the most important characteristic in God's kingdom. The most important God. God said of these three abide for, of this greatest is love. How do you know your love is great? True. Does it envy? Does it envy? Because these are real issues. Even in homes, these are real issues. In churches, these are real issues. Offices, these are real issues. In the world, these are real issues. Genesis 37 verse 11. His brothers envied him. They first wouldn't talk to him. Later when they got the opportunity, they decided we will kill him. Because Reuben intervened, they sold him as a slave. Do you know what was empowering them? It was envy. And what does the Bible say? Love doesn't envy. Do you know what the new covenant says in Acts 7 and verse 9? Read it. And the patriarchs becoming 
envious sold Joseph into Egypt. But God was with him. Why was God with him? Because his love was steadfast. His love was kind. You will never see Joseph's one word wrong from his mouth about his brothers, about Mr. Potiphar, Mrs. Potiphar, anybody. When he had the power to say whatever he wanted, he will test them pretending he's somebody else. But when he is, or even when they do not know who he is, they receive only kindness from him and they cannot understand what is the reason of this kindness. That's what the Bible says, you know. When you fear, when you fear, you start doubting everything. Even when they open the sack and find their money, they are afraid instead of rejoicing. Mark 15.10 For he knew that the chief priest had handed him over because of envy. Who? Pilate. The Gentile knew the priest were just shooting big words. They are talking, he broke the Lord, he claimed. All bakwas. You are all bakwas. We, I know. You want me to crucify him because you are jealous. He's got the crowds. He's got the people. He's got the power. He's got the message. But we are the people and nobody's listening to us. Kill him. Acts chapter 13, 45. When the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming, they opposed the things spoken by Paul. It just continues generation after generation. It is the cancer of the soul. Are you jealous? Ask this question. Ask the Holy Spirit to do a quite quick MRI of your heart. Are you jealous about anybody? Because they have something. In 1 John 2.15, the Bible says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. Why? All the things you love in the world, you cannot have it. Even if you have the money, you cannot have it because you won't have space to keep it. Because most people are poor, they don't have the money. So God says, don't love the world the way the world is and the things of the world because you will covet it, somebody will have it and then you will envy them and the love goes out. The love of the father won't be there because the father's love does not envy. You need to understand behind all these things, why does God say Don't do certain things. Don't love the world. Don't love the things in the world. Because if you love the world and the things in the world, you will start coveting it. And most of the things which people covet, they cannot afford or they will never have. But somebody else may. And what happens is you envy them. And you stop loving them. And if your love is there, it is false. It is pretense. Once true love goes out, what comes in is false and it is diabolic.
it leads to betrayal it leads to murder once upon a time i really believe ahitophel loved david then one day he stopped he was angry and he was jealous why should he be king this fellow is not fit to be a king but he didn't pick him to be king god did now all he has in his heart is murder but he pretends to be so loving god doesn't want us to pretend god wants us to be real god wants us to be real from the first murder that is abel to the greatest murder that is jesus if you look at it behind it it is all jealousy it is envy you know they came to john the baptist and tried to stir up some envy and says do you know yesterday's preacher new kid on the block the crowds are all with him they all left him they all gone to him no jealousy no envy you know what he said he must increase i should decrease a man should not have anything other than what god has given him what a good idea to live by no envy till yesterday everybody was around john and then jesus came now everybody is around even his disciples are following jesus and they are come trying to come and stir up some trouble did you see no envy hallelujah did you know and you should be able to say hallelujah if god's intention is that he should increase and i should remain this year even go low praise be to god because a man should not have anything in his life other than what god has given him if you have something which god has given it is it will only create a false reputation what god has given you is true reputation that is true we don't want anything false you have to guard your heart from these things because i look at things that are happening we are very fast reaching the end of the line time is running out jesus is coming back much sooner than most people expect that mean we may not have that time in terms of life to finish our race we may be a generation who doesn't die and finish the race we may have to finish while we are living therefore we do not have time to play nonsense because when the false love the false one comes in the real thing goes out the real thing goes out these two things cannot ex- co- coexist if you have the love of the world with it comes covetousness envy the love of the father goes out it's the jewish talmud talks about a jewish man talmud not tora talmud talks about the associated sets of stories collected over the centuries there is a story of a jewish man who had two wives one was old one was young and the old woman the old wife used to pull out all his black hair when he was sleeping so that he would look old the young one would pull out all his white hair so that he would look young but in the process he became bald a lot of people are bald because they are trying to love god and love the world instead you lose all your senses your hair goes off you cannot so don't assume i have the love of god test it with the truth is this true is my love true is my love steadfast pick 
few people in your life who've been there from the beginning and see, have I been consistently or am I increasing in my consistency that I am steadfast, I'm willing to suffer and I'm consistently being kind with them. Test these things out. Because God's things should be able to stand the test. Because it is true. Don't leave it to chance. Is my love steadfast? Am I still kind? Am I still kind? When somebody, especially those I don't like, rise up, am I envious or am I able to rejoice? That one thing, one thing, when the women sang that song, it was just a song, there was no depth or meaning in that song. If Saul had rejoiced, rejoiced, instead of being jealous, think for a minute. Saul rejoiced, it is written differently. Saul rejoiced. You know, the history of Israel would have been different. History would have been different. Because God was working on everybody, but he couldn't work on Saul. He worked on Jonathan. Jonathan, the crown prince, loved David as his own. He took his belt, he took his bow, he took his armor, gave it all to David, saying, I acknowledge you, you are the chosen one. He should be the one who should be jealous. No, he loved. Michal, the daughter of Saul, loved David. He could marry her. The soldiers, the commanders, loved David. The army loved David. The people loved David. Nobody had to know except you and Samuel. God has rejected you. Shut your mouth. Mentor this boy. Let him marry your daughter. Hand the throne over to him. Let Jonathan become his prime minister. History is different. Because God does not want to put his children to shame. He wants to cover them. We uncover ourselves because of our jealousy and our envy and our anger. You read scripture carefully, you will see how loving and kind God is actually to Saul to cover him. Would he die the death he died, dying by his own sword, head cut off, body pinned onto the Philistine? Nothing. It would have been a different story altogether. You know what destroyed that? One little thing. And you think it is little. What is that? Envy. Envy. Envy destroyed. And God says, love does not envy. Husbands, because we have wives all who work in different sectors, you don't envy your wives if they actually do better than you. Encourage them. Do well. You do well. It is my glory. It is written. I am your glory. So do well. I will be more glorious. Use humor and scripture. The glory of the woman is man. So the more you are glorious, more glorious I become. There's no, because I've seen marriages being ruined by envy. Homes being ruined. Jacob's household was ruined by envy. 
family being ruined by enemy. Churches breaking into, they will put bombastic arguments and all. But if you go into the court, it was just jealousy. <laughs> Nothing else. Arguments are wonderful. This man has broken the law. He is not working according to our law. He is breaking the Sabbath. He said he would destroy the temple and rebuild it after three days. All he could have told him, why don't you do it? And he would have explained, that is not what I meant. What I meant is this. No, he is, we have no king but Caesar. All bakwas. Twilight, look at this. I have seen many like you in my life. You are just jealous of him. See, rulers are not fools. They have much experience of dealing with people. Ask these simple questions. Am I jealous? Don't point your wife or your husband. Just ask yourself. Or your brother or your sister or your friend. Are you jealous? That is one, I am not jealous. Go to next level. Can I rejoice when something good happens to somebody I don't like? Somebody you like is one thing. He will at least take you for chai. What about the one you don't like? Go back to 13.4. Love suffers long, is kind, love does not envy, love does not parade. Old English word is wanteth not. Does not brag. Does not boast. Does not parade. Now when you go to scripture, we actually understand what Republic Day Parade is. You know what, why is it called a parade? Because it's boasting about India's great achievement. That's what it is. It's a boasting. It's okay. Let every country boast. Only thing is that don't ever say your country is superior to another country. That is when trouble begins. That is when problem comes. All cultures, it's good. They have inherent values and different things. It's okay. But competition and jealousy and all this comes when you think you're better than somebody else. What does love do? It does not boast. Love does not boast. Did you read? Listen carefully to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. You are saved by grace. You have been saved through faith and not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So genuine faith does not boast and genuine love does not boast. It's a common characteristic between us. You know you are saved by grace and grace alone. So even if you have completed 50 years in serving God, and has got all these achievements and laurels, still you will stand there like Paul and says, I'm the least of the apostles, chief of sinners. Why? Because you know you are saved by grace alone. And you cannot add one thing to it by a 50 or 100 years of meritorious service doesn't make any difference. It is always free. It was given as a gift. You cannot do anything to it. In the same way, love does not boast. Legalism on the other side boasts. That's why the Bible says knowledge puffs up. Sometimes the knowledge... 
the child has little memorized knowledge, but the parents are puffed up. That is where usually in all churches, not our church, all churches, pastors have a big issues because the mothers are always pushing their children onto the pastor. Why don't you let my child come and recite Psalm 119? Why? To show off the child. In the women's meeting, did you see my child? People do not know the behind the scenes in churches, what all. You need to sit with pastors and talk to realize what all pressure they go through. Because what? Everybody wants a parade. Parading your talents, parading your gifts, parade, parade, parade. And the church in Corinth is full of parade. That's why between 12, which is about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, 14, how should we exercise? He put this one chapter full says how you should not do things. Everybody is parading their gifts over there. And he says, love does not parade. It does not boast. Remember the Pharisee? I tithe regularly. I fast three times. I do this. I do that. But that fellow. He bragged. Do you know the first thing before for Joseph can one day become the man God has entered? He has to deal with him. Because he went out and he bragged about his two dreams. Later he wished he had kept his mouth shut. Then when his father sent him to check out on his brothers, he had to wear off all the clothes in his closet. He picked that multicolor one, which was an eyesore to his brothers, and he's parading. And the first thing they did is pull it out and throw him into the well. Why did he have to do that? God says, I love you. I've given you two dreams. They're absolutely true. But until the word of God has tested you, you will not achieve it. So first he took his bragging off. After that, if you look in the word of God, he never brags. Never brags. Proverbs 27 verse 2. Read it carefully. Let another man praise you, not your own mouth. A stranger, and not your own lips. We are studying the book of Proverbs in detail, right? The simplicity of the gospel. The entire book of Proverbs, that is 31 chapters, can be written in one word, love your neighbor as yourself. And go to the truth of God's word and try to find out what is love we will understand. And our prayer will change. We will say, Lord, would you fill me with your love? Would you circumcise my heart, O Lord? All specialists, IT and other specialists, how inflated is your resume? One of the, honestly, I'm not boasting, one of the most difficult things, but I had to apply only a couple of times in my life. Most difficult things in my life to write was my resume. I think I have a copy of it somewhere in my files. If you look at my resume, you will be shocked. My resume has only six lines. Class 10, class 12, undergraduation, PG, IFLU. That's all. Want me? Take me. Nothing else. Nothing else. Every resume. Nothing else. 
how I will be a great investment in your company and I will make your company grow nothing. <laughs> Some of the resumes, if you see today, Modi has to resign and give him a seat. <laughs> Thou shall not blow your own trumpet. <laughs> the problem was in a church, somebody was given a medal as the humblest man. That was not the problem. The problem was he wore it. <laughs> as we go to communion. Okay, as we go to communion. So very Okay, humor is there. It's a very, very serious thing in life. Probably the most serious message, believers who are in the race, and everybody is in the race, you have to ask yourself this question. Is my love steadfast? Am I willing to suffer long? Because some of you are here, children are here, but there are there, young men are there, girls are there, who are taking care of parents. And it's not easy. It's easier to take care of a sick parent than to take care of an alcoholic parent. What will you do? Oh, I want to lock him up. Ask for power. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. I want to love. I want you to love through me. I want to be steadfast and be kind, consistently kind, 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 Lord, kind. Kind. Remember what Bambi's father said in to Bambi. If you can't talk right, then don't talk at all. Better be quite quiet than to be unkind. Deal with issues. That's a different thing. I'm talking about kindness here. Love suffers long. It is steadfast. And it's always kind. And ask Lord, check it. Lord, help me, help me, help me, Lord. Help me. I want to be this. Because this is who you are. I want to be this. And it doesn't envy. It's not jealous. And it does not boast. And if it boasts, it boasts about somebody else. It praises somebody else. Let the elders come. Let's go to communion. Worship team. We don't have a Johnson, has Johnson come? I don't think Johnson has come today. Dr. David is there. We have, uh, Samir is there. We have enough? Two, three, four. Brother, Pastor Danu is also not there. We need one more person. Hmm? Oh. Let me call. I, saw, I think... Oh, Raj has to go there. Dr. Richard is, oh, he's busy over there.
Okay, Richard, can you come? Come. We'll first we go through the regulars. Yes, worship team. morning even as we go to the Lord's table. Remember it's a table of Lord's love. The Father's love. May sound gross but what he's serving on the table are the emblems of his son's body and his blood. The blood for the remission of our sins and the body that we can come into his presence. And the word of God says That one who eats and drinks should judge, examine themselves. Today, in the light of what we have heard, we just ask ourselves, Lord, do I truly love? Is my love steadfast? Am I willing to suffer long? Is my love kind? Do I envy? Do I boast? God says, my love does not. Father, this morning, we just want to thank you, Lord. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your son, whom you sent because you loved us unlovable creatures as we were and as we still are. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I pray, Father, this morning as your church partakes of the emblems of your love, the sick will be healed, the weak will be made strong, and those who are asleep there will be a quickening in our spirits, O oh Lord. That we will ask of you and receive from you the love of the Father to live out this life. Thank you, Father. 
Jesus name we pray. Please keep the emblems in your hands at the end. We shall partake of it together. This morning we don't need our heads to be examined. We need to get our hearts examined. We need to ask this question. Ultimately in life only two questions matter. In 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5, the Bible says, Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not know yourself that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? The first question is connected with salvation. Examine yourself. Constantly, am I in the faith? Have I I started trusting on my works? Because it can either bring pride or it can bring condemnation when you fail. Or am I standing there only based on the work of Jesus Christ to put my faith in him and him alone and have nothing to boast? Examine whether I am in the faith or not. And then am I walking in faith, growing in faith? Is faith outflowing in my life? This is connected with salvation. The second question is connected with love. This is not connected with salvation. What is your hope? Our hope and your hope and my hope is our hope of glory, our reward. If you turn with me to 1 John chapter 4 and verse 17, that is on judgment. Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, let me ask you this question, can we be like him in power? Can we be like him in knowledge? Can we be like him in love? Yes. 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 That's why it's a command. That's why it is a command. See, when you go for your final exam, you need to know your papers. You need to know your subject on which you're going to be examined. When we stand before God, everything will be there, laid bare. What God is going to examine is not first our works, but why did we do what we did? That's why Jesus says, love is the greatest of them all. And love never fails. When everything else fails, the love of God has its inherent power. It doesn't fail. It doesn't quit. Let me tell you, it is not a feeling. The feelings are there and it will come and it can increase. It is a choice. It's a command. You cannot command a feeling. can't command a feeling. But you can make a choice can make a choice. You know, I did not give it there. In Psalm 18 and verse 1, this is what David says. I will, not I love thee, O Lord. I will love thee, O Lord. It's a choice. I will love thee, O Lord. I will love thee, O Lord. It's a choice. 
So question is, how will I love God? Go through this and Jesus says, if you love me, you will do this, you will do this, you will do this and you will say, you know what? I will do this, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this. The feelings will come. Then it changes. God doesn't want us to obey his commandments. Honestly. Honestly, he doesn't want. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Go read this evening from 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 onwards. Read. There are from 7 to 22 verses, right? It's 22 verses, right? 22 verses. From 7 to 22, 29 times the word love is mentioned. Think about it. God is writing through a man. From verse 7 to verse 22, 29 times the word love is mentioned. When you go to verse 7 of 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another. It's a command. It's now not. David said, I will. Now into the church, it's corporal. It's a corporate exhortation. Love one another. Why? For love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. A lot of people come to me, always come to me. Pastor, I'm always confused. I don't know whether I'm saved or not. Do you want to know whether you are saved? You will love like this. Because it's not humanly possible to love like this. You will realize, you know what? I was like this. I couldn't stand anybody. I never loved anybody. When I loved, I was always looking to see what I could get out of people. But after I got saved, something happened. The nature of my love changed. The nature of my love changed. This is the most authentic proof that you are born of God. Most authentic proof. Because the old man is corrupt, he's selfish, he's only thinking about himself. Only thinking about himself. He is always looking at gain. That's why God says, don't love God. You cannot love God and mammon. Mammon means in Aramaic and Syriac it means gain. He's always looking what is in there for me. But something happens. Unconsciously, you are not even aware of it. Something happened. This is the most foolproof evidence for yourself. What is that? Everyone who loves is born of God. So you need to ask, everybody, the whole world is talking about love? Everybody is born of God? No. Go back to the truth. What kind of a love? Love suffers long. In the world, there are a lot of people, we have no choice, they suffer long, but they are not kind. They are not kind. They are unkind. Suffers long. How can you suffer long when this person is the source of all your suffering? How can you be kind? It has to be of God. That is what happened in the TV sanatorium. All the Indians in that night was watching a white man who also had TB get up, pick up that old man, take him to the toilet, allow him to relieve, clean him up and put him back. Next day, they all wanted to know about his God. 
because they knew it was none of our gods that made him do this our gods don't do stuff like this stuff like this most authentic proof and he who does not love does not know god for god is god is love so the question is what kind of love is god that's where you need truth and you go through everywhere you see theory and then you see jesus the practical lord if you are willing you can cleanse me he's got all the power in his words he who flung stars with the word of his mouth created be healed he put his hands on him put his hands on him because he knows we don't know how many years from the day he was diagnosed with that patches on his skin from his wife to no other man except another leper has touched him he needs more than healing from his diseases he needs to know he is loved he is loved do you know when he does it as he comes down the mountain after preaching the greatest sermon ever preached by man the sermon on the mount there is a man waiting lord he puts his hand on him and says be healed that is practical that is practical heard about the catholic saint called saint francis of assisi who was going on his horseback on mission and the lepers had to do their bells and shout unclean unclean so as he was ringing he heard this sound unclean unclean and he saw there was a group of lepers he put his hand into his purse and threw a lot of coins at them and he rode past and then he stopped he stopped his heart was contrite he was checked he rode back got off his horse he put his picked up the coins put his arms around them and then gave it to them and said i can't do this it is against the law of love is against the law of love you think there are not saints in catholic catholicism oh there are some of them were unbelievable because they understood the message of the cross you know what the message of the cross is for god so loved the world what did he do he gave his only begotten son and what does the son say i give you a new commandment that is john 13 34 and 35 a new commandment i give is it there a new commandment i give you that you love one another as i have loved you by this look at verse 35 by this all will know that you are my disciples do you want the world to be saved there's only one way at least hear the gospel may reject the gospel but know the gospel is true there is only one way the world will know he says if my people just love one another as i loved them this often you don't even have to preach they will come to you so this morning we will stand up and we will sing the f- song of our 
old song remember word love we don't realize the power is in the love itself i hope you know the words remember his majesty's service hms you didn't get it i will worship you with all my heart with all my mind with all my strength hms his majesty's service that's how you remember that verse yes of this year and i pray every man woman and child will learn to put down their rights and pick up their responsibilities to serve one another to serve one another husbands and wives and children young men and young women bachelors and spinsters Pray, Father, round the world as they listen. Let this be our prayer, Lord. The enemy has no answer to this kind of love, for that love never, ever fails. As it often said, it was not the nails that kept you on the cross, because you were the Son of God with all might and power. It was love. that kept you hanging from there because you loved us and you knew this was the only way 
you could reconcile us back to the Father. Baptize us afresh with your love. Fill husbands and wives and homes and children and our church and our churches with love, Lord. With your, not the carnal, worldly love that looks for gain, but the world doesn't know this kind of love that lays its life down. Touch, Lord. Touch. Touch the church. Only the church can receive it. Only your children can receive it. Fill us, O Lord. And suddenly, everyone will know, I have the power to face every storm, every trial, every testing, because love is the power. For love never fails. As we go into a new day, new week, new month, I pray, Father, we'll keep our eyes fixed on you and run our race well. That if you choose to come before the year is finished, everybody can at least major in love. The most important subject in the kingdom. So help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us to start it now. Now. Let the fellowship that follows be full of love. Kindness, loving kindness, caring, looking to one another. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you. We love you, Lord. For in Jesus' name I pray. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Rest and abide with each one of us. Amen.